Chapter 58 of The Pharaoh and the Priest. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Gines. The Pharaoh and the Priest by Boleslaw Cruz. Translated by Jeremiah Curtin. Chapter 58. After leaving Abydos, Ramesses Thirteenth sailed up the Nile to the city of Tantarem, Dendura, and Kanaf, which stood nearly opposite each other, one on the western, the other on the eastern bank of the river. At Tantanrum were two famous places, the pond in which crocodiles were reared, and the temple of Hator, where there was a school at which were taught medicine, sacred hymns, and the method of celebrating divine ceremonies. Finally, astronomy. The pharaoh visited both places. He was irritated when they directed him to burn incense before the sacred crocodiles, which he considered as foul and stupid reptiles. And when one of those in time of offering pushed out too far, and seized the sovereign's garment with its teeth, Rameses struck it on the head with a bronze ladle so violently that the reptile closed its eyes for a time and spread its legs, then withdrew and crept into the water, as if understanding that the youthful sovereign did not wish to be familiar even with divinities. "'But have I committed sacrilege?' inquired Rameses of the high priest. The dignitary looked around stealthily to see if anyone were listening, and answered, "'If I had known, holiness, that thou wouldst make it an offering in that way, I should have given thee a club, not a censer. That crocodile is the most unendurable brute in the whole temple. Once it seized a child.' and ate it the parents were satisfied said the priest tell me said the pharaoh after thinking how can ye sages render homage to beasts which moreover when there are no witnesses ye beat with sticks the high priest looked around again and seeing no one nearby he answered of course thou canst not suspect sovereign that worshippers of one god believe in the divinity of beasts what is done is done for the people in the temple of Hator the pharaoh passed quickly through the school of medicine, and listened without great interest to predictions given by astrologers concerning him. When the astrologer high priest showed him a tablet, on which was engraved a map of heaven, he asked, How often do these predictions come true, which ye read in the stars? They come true sometimes. But if ye predict from trees, stones, or running water, do those predictions come true also? The high priest was troubled. Holiness, do not consider us untruthful. We predict the future for people because it concerns them, and we tell them, indeed, what they can understand of astronomy. And what do ye understand? We understand, said the priest, the structure of the heavenly dome, and the movement of the stars. What good is that to anyone? We have rendered no small service to Egypt. We indicate the main directions according to which edifices are built and canals are dug. Without the aid of our science, vessels sailing on the sea could not go far from land. Finally, we compose calendars and calculate future heavenly phenomena. For instance, the sun will be eclipsed within a short period. Rameses was not listening. He had turned and gone out. How is it possible, thought the pharaoh, to build a temple for such childish amusements, and besides to engrave the results on golden tablets these holy men do not know what to snatch at from idleness 
after he had remained a short time in tan Taren, the sovereign crossed over to Kanae. in that place were no celebrated temples incensed crocodiles or golden tablets with stars but commerce and pottery flourished from that city went two roads to ports on the red sea Cossier and berenice also a road to the porphyry mountains whence they brought statues and great sticks of timber Cane was swarming with phoenicians who received the sovereign with great enthusiasm and presented him with valuables to the amount of ten talents in spite of this the pharaoh remained barely one day there since they informed him from thebes that the revered body of rameses the twelfth was already in the palace of luxor awaiting its burial at that epoch thebes was an immense city occupying about twelve square kilometers of area it possessed the greatest temple in egypt that of amon also a multitude of edifices private and public the main streets were broad straight and paved with stone slabs the banks of the nile had their boulevards the houses were four or five stories high since every temple and palace had a great gateway with pylons thebes was called the city of a hundred gates it was a city on the one hand greatly given to commerce and trade and on the other the threshold as it were of eternity on the western bank of the nile in the hills and among them was an incalculable number of tombs of pharaohs priests and magnates thebes was indebted for its splendor to two pharaohs amenophis the third or memnon who found it a city of mud and left it a city of stone and rameses the second who finished and perfected the edifices begun by amenophis on the eastern bank of the nile in the southern part of the city was an entire quarter of immense regal edifices palaces villas temples on the ruins of which the small town of luxor stands at present in that quarter the remains of rameses the twelfth were placed for the last ceremonies when rameses the thirteenth arrived all thebes went forth to greet him only old men and cripples remained in the houses and thieves in the alleys here for the first time the people took the horses from the pharaoh's chariot and drew it themselves here for the first time the pharaoh heard shouts against the abuses of priests this comforted him also cries that every seventh day should be for rest he desired to make that gift to toiling egypt but he knew not that his plans had become known and that the people were waiting to see them accomplished his journey of five miles lasted a couple of hours amid dense crowds of people the pharaoh's chariot was stopped at very often in the midst of a throng and did not move till the guard of his holiness had raised those who lay prostrate before it when at last he reached the palace gardens where he was to occupy one of the smaller villas the pharaoh was so wearied that he did not occupy himself with affairs of state on his arrival next day however he burnt incense before the mummy of his father which was in the main royal chamber and informed her horror that they might conduct the remains to the tomb prepared for them but this ceremony was not performed immediately they conveyed the late pharaoh to the temple of rameses where it remained a day and a night then they bore the mummy with boundless magnificence to the temple of amun ra the details of the funeral ceremony were the same as in memphis though incomparably grander the royal palaces on the right bank of the nile were on the southern end of the city while the temple of amun ra was in the northern part of it these were connected by a road unique in character 
there was an avenue two kilometers long very broad lined not only with immense trees but with two rows of sphinxes some of these with lions bodies had human heads others had rams heads there were several hundreds of these statues on the avenue at both sides of which countless throngs of people had assembled from thebes and the surrounding region along the middle of the avenue moved the funeral procession advancing to the music of various regiments were detachments of female wailers choruses of singers all the guilds of artisans and merchants deputations from some tens of provinces with their gods and banners deputations from more than ten nations which kept up relations with egypt and again wailers music and priestly choruses this time the mummy of the pharaoh advanced in a golden boat also but incomparably richer than that in memphis the car which bore it was drawn by eight pair of white bulls this car two stories high was almost concealed under garlands bouquets ostrich plumes and precious woven stuffs it was surrounded by a dense cloud of smoke from censers which produced the impression that rameses the twelfth was appearing to his people in clouds like a divinity from the pylons of all theban temples came thunder-like outbursts and with them loud and rapid sounds from the clashing of bronze discs though the avenue of sphinxes was free and wide though the procession took place under the direction of egyptian generals and therefore with the greatest order the procession spent three hours in passing those two kilometers between the palace and the edifices of amon only when the mummy of rameses the twelfth was borne into the temple did rameses the thirteenth drive forth from the palace in a golden chariot drawn by a pair of splendid horses the people standing along the avenue who during the time of the procession had held themselves quietly burst out at the side of the beloved sovereign into a shout so immense that the thunders and sounds from the summits of all the temples were lost in it there was a moment when that mighty throng borne away by excitement would have rushed to the middle of the avenue and surrounded their sovereign but rameses with one motion of his hand restrained the living deluge and prevented the sacrilege in the course of some minutes the pharaoh passed over the road and halted before the immense pylons of the noblest temple in egypt as luxor was the quarter of palaces in the south so karnak was the quarter of divinities on the northern side of the city the temple of amun-ra formed the main centre of karnak this building alone occupied two hectares of space and the gardens and ponds around it about twenty before the temple stood two pylons forty metres high the forecourt surrounded by a quarter resting on columns occupied nearly one hectare the hall of the columns in which were assembled the privileged classes was half a hectare in extent this was not the edifice yet but the approach to it that hall or hypostyle was more than a hundred and fifty yards long and seventy-five yards in width its ceiling rested on one hundred and thirty-four columns among these the twelve central ones were fifteen yards in circumference and from twenty to twenty-four metres high the statues disposed in the temple near the pylons and at the sacred lakes accorded in size with all other parts of karnak in the immense gate the worthy herhor the high priest of that temple was waiting for rameses surrounded by a whole staff of priests herhor greeted the pharaoh almost haughtily and while burning a censer before the sovereign he did not look at him 
Then he conducted Rameses to the hypostyle, and gave the order to admit deputations within the wall of the temple. In the midst of the hypostyle stood the boat with the mummy of the departed sovereign, and on both sides of it two thrones of equal height stood opposed to each other. On one of these Rameses took his place surrounded by nomarchs and generals. On the other sat her horse surrounded by the priesthood. Then the second high priest Mephres gave her whore the mitre of Amenhotep, and the young pharaoh for the second time beheld on the head of the high priest the golden serpent, the signal of regal authority. Rameses grew pale from rage and thought, Shall I need to remove the Urius and thy head at the same time? But he was silent, knowing that in the greatest of Egyptian temples her whore was lord, the equal of the gods, and a potentate perhaps greater than the pharaoh. During this time when the people filled the court, behind the purple curtain dividing the rest of the temple from mortals, were heard harps and low singing. Rameses looked at the hall, a whole forest of mighty columns covered from above to the bases with paintings. The mysterious lighting, the ceiling far up near the sky somewhere, produced on him an effect that was crushing. What does it signify, thought he, to win a battle at the Soda Lakes? To build an edifice like this is an exploit. But those priests built it. At that moment he felt the power of the priestly order. Could he, his army, or even the whole people overturn that temple? And if it would be difficult to deal with the edifice, would it be easier to struggle with its builders? The voice of the high priest Mephres roused him from disagreeable meditations. Holiness, said the old man, thou art most worthy confidant of the gods. Here he bowed to her whore. Ye nomarchs, scribes, warriors, and common people, the most worthy high priest of this temple, her whore, invites you to judge, according to ancient custom, the earthly acts of the late pharaoh, and to acknowledge or deny to him burial. Anger rushed to the head of Rameses. It is not enough that they insulted him in that place, but in addition they dare to discuss the deeds of his father, to decide as to his burial? But he calmed himself. That was only a formality, as ancient, in fact, as the Egyptian dynasties. It related not to judgment, but to praise of the departed. At a sign given by Herhor, the high priests took their seats on stools, but neither the nomarchs nor the generals surrounding the throne of Rameses were seated. There were not even stools for them. The pharaoh fixed in his memory that insult also, but he had so mastered himself now that it was impossible to learn whether he noticed the disregard shown those near him. Meanwhile the holy Mephres dwelt on the life of the deceased pharaoh. Rameses Twelfth said he, did not commit any of the forty-two sins. Hence the court of the gods pronounces a gracious verdict regarding him. And since, moreover, the royal mummy, thanks to the exceptional care of the priests, is provided with every amulet, prayer, direction, and spell, there is no doubt that the late pharaoh is now in the dwelling of the gods, sitting at the side of Osiris, and is himself Osiris. During his earthly life the divine nature of Rameses Twelfth was made manifest. He reigned more than thirty years. He gave the people profound peace and erected or finished many temples. Besides, he himself was a high priest and surpassed in piety the most pious. During his reign, honor to the gods and elevation of the sacred priestly order held the chief position. Therefore he was beloved of the heavenly powers, and one of the Theban gods, 
Khonsu, at the prayer of the pharaoh, was pleased to go to the country of Buchten and expel an evil spirit from the king's daughter. Mefres drew breath and continued, When I have shown your worthiness that Rameses Twelfth was a god, will ye inquire with what object that higher being came down to the Egyptian land and spent some tens of years here? He did so to reform the world, which, through decay of faith, is much corrupted. For who is occupied in devotion today? Who thinks of obeying the will of the gods in our time? In the distant north we see the great Assyrian people, who believe only in the power of the sword, and who, instead of giving themselves to devotion and wisdom, are subjecting other nations. Nearer to us are Phoenicians, whose god is gold, and whose worship is mere fraud and usury. There are others also, the Hittites on the east, the Libyans on the west, the Ethiopians on the south, and the Greeks of the Mediterranean. Those are barbarians and robbers. Instead of toiling, they rob. Instead of working wisdom, they drink, play dice, or sleep like tired animals. In the world there is only one really wise and pious people, the Egyptians. But see what is happening among us. Because of the influx of infidel foreigners, religion has fallen here also. Nobles and officials at their wine cups revile eternal life and the gods, while the people throw mud at sacred statues and make no offerings to temples. Excess has taken the place of devotion, riot the place of wisdom. Each man wants to wear immense wigs and anoint himself with rare perfumes. He would have tunics and aprons woven with gold, wear chains and bracelets set with jewels. A barley cake suffices him no longer. He wants wheaten bread with milk and honey. He washes his feet in beer and quenches his thirst with wine from foreign countries. Because of this, all nobles are in debt. The people are beaten and overloaded with labor. Here and there rebellions break out. What do I say, here and there? During a certain time, through the length and the breadth of Egypt, thanks to secret disturbances, we hear the shout, Give us rest after every six days of labor. Do not beat us without judgment. Give each man of us a plot of land as his property. This is a declaration of ruin for Egypt, against which we must find rescue. The rescue is only in religion, which teaches that the people should labor. Holy men, as persons knowing the will of the gods, should indicate the labor, and it is the duty of the pharaoh and his officials to see that this labor is carried out actually. Religion teaches all this. According to these principles, Rameses Twelfth, who was equal to the gods, governed Egypt. We high priests, knowing his devotion, will cut out the following inscription on his tomb and on the temples. The bull Horus, the mighty Ipus, who united the crowns of the kingdom, the golden falcon wielding the sabre, the conqueror of nine nations, the king of upper and lower Egypt, the ruler of two worlds, the son of the sun, Amun Mer Ramesses, beloved of Amun Ra, the lord and ruler of the Theban region, the son of Amun Ra, received as son by Horus, and begotten by Hormak, king of Egypt, ruler of Phoenicia, lord of nine nations. When this proposal was confirmed by a shout of those assembled, dancers ran out from behind the curtain and performed a sacred dance before the sarcophagus, and the priests burned incense. Then they took the mummy from the boat and bore it to the sanctuary of Amon, into which Rameses XIII had not the right to enter. The service ended soon after, and the assembly left the temple. While returning to the palace of Luxor, the young pharaoh was so sunk in thought 
that he hardly saw the immense throng of people and did not hear the shouts which rose from it i cannot deceive my own heart thought rameses the high priests insult me this has not happened to any pharaoh till my time more they point out to me the way in which i can gain their favor they wish to manage the state and i am to see that their commands are accomplished but it will be otherwise i shall command and ye must accomplish either my royal foot will be planted on your necks or i shall perish for two days the revered mummy of rameses the twelfth remained in the temple of amon in a place so sacred that even high priests might not enter save only herhor and mefres before the deceased only one lamp was burning the flame of which nourished in a miraculous manner was never extinguished over the deceased hung the symbol of the spirit a man-headed falcon whether it was a machine or really a living being was known to no one this is certain that priests who had the courage to look behind the curtain stealthily saw that this being kept one place in the air unsupported while its lips and eyes continued moving the continuation of the funeral began and the golden boat carried the deceased to the other side of the river but first it passed through the main street of thebes surrounded by an immense retinue of priests wailers warriors and people amid incense music wailing and chanting this was perhaps the most beautiful street in all egypt it was broad smooth lined with trees its houses four and even five stories high were covered from roof to foundation with mosaic or with bas-relief in colors it looked as if those buildings had been hung with immense colored tapestry or hidden by colossal pictures representing the work and occupations of merchants artisans mariners also distant lands and their people in one word that was not a street but a colossal gallery of pictures barbarous as to the drawing but brilliant in colors the funeral procession advanced about two kilometers from the north to the south keeping more or less the center of the city then it turned westward toward the river in the middle of the river opposite this point was a large island connected by a bridge of boats with the city to avoid accidents the generals in command reformed the procession they put four people in a rank ordered them to move very slowly and forbade them to keep step with this object the different bands of music at the head of the multitude each played different music after a couple of hours the procession passed the first bridge next to the island then the second bridge and was on the western bank of the river if we might call the eastern part of thebes the city of gods and kings the western border was that of tombs and mortuary temples the procession advanced from the nile toward the libyan hills by the middle road south of this road on an eminence stood a temple commemorating the victories of rameses the third the walls of which are covered with pictures of conquered nations hittites amorites philistines ethiopians arabs libyans a little lower down rose two colossal statues of amenhotep the second the height of which notwithstanding their sitting posture was twenty metres one of these statues was distinguished by the miraculous property that when struck by the rays of the rising sun it gave out sounds like those of a harp whenever chords snap in it still nearer the road but always on the left stood the Ramesseum, a beautiful though not very large temple which was built by rameses the second the entrance to this edifice was guarded by statues with the royal insignia in their hands in the forecourt towered the statue of rameses the second to the height of sixteen metres
the road rose gradually and a very steep eminence became more and more visible this was as full of holes as a sponge these holes were the tombs of egyptian officials at the entrance to them among steep cliffs stood the very strange temple of queen hadassu this temple was four hundred and fifty yards long from the forecourt surrounded by a wall there was an entrance by steps to the second court surrounded by columns under this was a subterranean temple from the court of columns the passage rose by steps again to a temple cut out in the cliff under which was another subterranean temple in this way the temple was of two stories each of which was divided into an upper and a lower part the stairs were immense without railing but furnished with two rows of sphinxes the entrance to each stairway was guarded by two sitting statues at the temple of hadassu began the gloomy ravine which led from the tombs of high dignitaries to those of the pharaohs between these two quarters was the tomb of the high priest redamenoth the quarters and chambers of which occupied about one hectare of subterranean area the road to the ravine was so steep that men had to help the drop bulls and push the funeral boat forward the procession moved as it were along a cornice cut into the cliff-side at last they halted on a broad platform some hundreds of feet above the ravine counting from the lower bed of it here was the door leading to the underground tomb which during his thirty years reign the pharaoh had made for himself this tomb was a whole palace with chambers for the pharaoh for his family and servants with a dining-room bedchamber and bath with chapels consecrated to various gods and finally with a well at the bottom of which was a small chamber where the mummy of the sovereign would rest for the ages by the light of brilliant torches the walls of all the rooms appeared covered with prayers and also with pictures which represented every occupation and amusement of the departed hunting the building of temples the cutting of canals triumphal entries solemnities in honor of the gods battles of troops with their enemies and the labors of people and those were not sufficient the chambers were not only fitted with furniture vessels chariots weapons flowers meat bread and wine but they were furnished also with a multitude of statues there were various portraits of rameses the twelfth his priests ministers women warriors and slaves for the sovereign could not dispense in the other world any more than in this with costly vessels exquisite food and faithful servants when the funeral car halted at the entrance the priest drew forth from its sarcophagus the mummy of the pharaoh and placed it on the earth resting against the cliff with its shoulder then rameses the thirteenth burned incense before the remains of his father while queen nicotris embraced the mummy by the neck and said with weeping i am thy sister nicotris thy wife do not desert me thou great one dost thou desire really my good father that i should go but if i go thou wilt be alone and wilt any one be with thee now the high priest herhor burned incense before the mummy and mefres poured out wine saying to thy second self we offer this o osiris mer amen rameses sovereign of upper and lower egypt whose voice in the presence of the great god is truthful then the wailers and the chorus of priests were heard chorus one complain complain weep 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 without ceasing as loudly as ever ye are able wailers o oh, worthy traveller who turnest thy steps to the land of eternity 
how quickly they are tearing thee from us chorus two how beautiful is that which is happening to him since khonsu of thebes was loved by him greatly the god has permitted the sovereign to reach that west the world of the generations of his servants wailers o thou who hast been attended by so many servitors thou art now in the land ruled by loneliness thou who hast splendid robes and didst love spotless linen art lying now in the garments of yesterday chorus one in peace in peace to the west o our lord go thou in peace we shall see thee again when the day of eternity comes for thou art going to the land which brings all men together the final ceremony began they brought a bull and an antelope which it was the duty of rameses the thirteenth to slay but they were slain by his substitute before the gods sem the high priest the inferior priests dressed the beast quickly after which herhor and mefres taking the hind legs placed them in turn at the mouth of the mummy but the mummy had no wish to eat for it was not brought to life yet and its lips were closed to remove that obstacle mefres washed it with holy water and incensed it with perfumes and alum saying here stands thy father here stands osiris met amen rameses i am thy son i am horus i come to purify thee and make thee alive i put thy bones again in order i join that which was severed for i am horus the avenger of my father thou wilt sit on the throne of ra who proceeds from nut who gives birth to re every morning who gives birth to mer amen rameses daily just as re thus speaking the high priest touched with amulets the mouth the breast the hands and the feet of the mummy now the choruses were heard again chorus one henceforth osiris mer amen rameses will eat and drink all things which the gods eat and drink he will sit in their place like them he is healthy and powerful chorus two he has power in every limb it is hateful to him to be hungry and unable to eat thirsty and unable to drink chorus one o gods give to osiris mer amen rameses thousands of thousands of pitchers of wine thousands of garments thousands of loaves and of bullocks chorus two o ye who are living on the earth when ye pass this way if life be dear to you and death be repulsive if ye desire that your dignities pass to your descendants repeat this prayer for the heaven-dweller who is placed here mefres o ye great ones ye prophets ye princes scribes and pharaohs o ye other people who are to come a million years after me if any of you put his name on the place of my name the god will punish him by destroying his person on earth after this curse the priest lighted the torches took the royal mummy placed it again in its casket and the casket in the stone sarcophagus which had the human form in its general outlines then in spite of the shrieks the despair and the resistance of wailers they bore that immense weight toward the tomb chamber after they had passed by the light of torches through a number of corridors and chambers they halted in that one where the well was they lowered the sarcophagus in that opening went down themselves and put away the sarcophagus in a lower subterranean space then walled up the passage to this space quickly and in such a manner that the most trained eye could not have discovered it then they went up and closed the entrance to the well with equal effectiveness the priests did all this without witnesses and they did the work so accurately that the mummy of rameses the twelfth 
remains to this day in its secret abode as safe from thieves as from modern curiosity during the twenty-nine centuries many tombs of pharaohs have been ravaged but that one is inviolate while some priests were hiding the remains of the pious pharaoh others illuminated the underground chambers and invited the living to a feast in that dwelling rameses the thirteenth queen nicotris and sem with some civil and military dignitaries entered the dining hall in the middle of the chamber stood a table covered with food wine and flowers and at the wall sat a statue of the late sovereign carved out of porphyry he seemed to gaze at those present smile pensively and beg them to eat in his presence the feast began with a sacred dance which was accompanied by a hymn sung by one of the highest priestesses enjoy days of happiness for life lasts but one instant enjoy happiness for when ye enter the tomb ye will rest there the whole length of each day during ages after the priestess came a prophet and to the accompaniment of harps he chanted the world is endless change and endless renewal that arrangement of fate is wise the decision of osiris deserves admiration for as a body which belongs to past time decays and perishes other bodies rise behind it the pharaohs those gods who were before us rest in their pyramids their mummies and their second selves remain though the palaces which they built are no longer on their sites and no longer in existence despair not but give thyself to thy desires and thy happiness and wear not thy heart out till for thee the day comes when thou wilt implore while osiris the god whose heart beats no longer will not hear thy petitions the morning of a world will not restore happiness to a man who is lying in the tomb use then thy days of happiness and in delight be no laggard there is no man indeed who can take his goods to the other world with him there is none who can go to that world and come back to this one the feast ended the worthy assembly incensed the statue of the deceased once again and made ready to return to thebes in the mortuary temple only priests remained to make regular offerings to the deceased and a guard watching the tomb against sacrilegious attempts of robbers henceforth rameses the twelfth was alone in that mysterious chamber through a small secret opening in the rock a gloomy light barely broke into him instead of the rustle of ostrich plumes was the rustle of enormous back wings instead of music was heard during night hours complaining howls of hyenas and at times the mighty voice of a lion which greeted from the desert the pharaoh in his resting place End of chapter fifty eight recording by dion gines salt lake city utah